0: Hi, I'm Callie Miller. Growing up in an alcoholic home requires us to tell lies to ourselves and to others. And I've learned over the years that these lies can become toxic, that these secrets can literally make us sick, that what we never look at can never be healed, and that telling our stories and saying out loud what has happened to us can open the door to our healing. That's why I created this podcast, This Space, so we can have a safe place to share our stories. You are not alone, and this is the Change of Air podcast. I did a thing yesterday, and that thing was nothing. I had planned to do a big hike, eight miles in Joshua Tree, on a trail I've never hiked before, I was so excited. This is something I'd been wanting to do for months. But you need one car at one end and one car at the other. And took a while for everyone to be in town and for it all to work out. But yesterday was the day I was going to do it. I was excited. I was ready to go. I was thinking of all the things I'd see, all the pictures I would take. Taking pictures of nature, if you haven't noticed from my feed, is a thing I love to do. My family and friends are always a bit annoyed that a hike with me takes much longer than it should because I'm always taking way too many pictures. Another topic for another day. But I was excited and all the plans finally fell into place so I could finally do this thing I'd been wanting to do all summer. But I woke up and I felt tired. Really tired. I even went back to sleep and woke up at nine thirty a.m. This is not a thing I ever do. I never sleep in, even on weekends. I wasn't sick. I wasn't feeling ill, didn't have a fever, wasn't feeling nauseous, wasn't in any pain. I was just tired. And the thing that sounded better than any other thing was to do nothing for a whole day. That meant I had to change plans with people, people I had just spent weeks nudging to get these plans to fall into place. That meant that I not only had to change plans with them, I had to tell them why I was canceling plans. And it was the most fascinating thing to notice, my own behavior and my own language to myself and to others around this. And it went something like this, I, it was, you know, a very full week at work. I'm just more tired than I expected. Didn't know I'd be this tired. I really thought I'd be fine. I hydrated. I got enough sleep. But it really was a full week at work. And I'm tired. And I was tired. And it was a full week at work. I had gotten up at 5am two times in four days to film with a client. On Wednesday, I worked 14 hours straight without much of a break. By Friday, I noticed that I couldn't even concentrate on things because I'd been task switching from like big strategy work to tiny minutiae detail tasks to a big creative project I'm working on. And then prepping and hosting like several live events with hundreds of people. That's a lot for anyone. It was a lot for me. Anyone would have been tired after a week like that and I was proud of myself in the week. I had chosen to greet each day still with joy rather than like victim energy of "oh, this is going to be hard. I knew it would be harder if I made it harder on myself so I still meditated daily. I just really was like, okay, I'm up at 5 a.m. Let's see the joy in this. Let's notice the sunrise. I really tried to make what I knew would be a very full taxing week as joyful and as painless as possible with my attitude and my habits and behaviors. So it took me even more by surprise that such a full week of work could make me tired on a day that I really wanted to go do a thing. But it was normal for me to be tired. I mean, I'm still tired now on Sunday, even as I'm sharing this with you now. I'm still pretty tired and I had a really mellow morning. I slept in today. I don't have a fever. Yes, I checked. (laughs) I just am tired and want to rest. But I had a very interesting time yesterday trying to convince myself that it was okay. I even caught myself thinking, well, if I'm going to take a rest day, like a weekend day where I don't have clients and I'm not working, and if I'm not going to do the big hike and I'm going to rest, couldn't I get some other things done instead? And the funny thing was, the people I canceled on were fine. They got it immediately. But me, I didn't understand. And I spent a good part of my day Saying aloud to my boyfriend and to myself before he left, I'm sorry, I didn't think I'd be this tired. I guess that Wednesday really took it out of me. I I thought I had taken care of myself. There's just like so much excusing being given so many reasons why. Like I couldn't just, as he perfectly said, he was like, you don't need any, there's no need to say why simply it simply is just take the day enjoy the day at some point i did stop myself the more he said that the more i realized you know what my body and my mind were making it quite clear that they needed rest and so rather than fight it and rather than give excuses what i needed to do was to just give it to myself so i surrendered and i did i kid you not absolutely nothing except for I played Pokemon Go if you play we can be friends on the app and and I binge watched a murder mystery show for 7 hours on the couch when my boyfriend returned from climbing this is a resilient zone thing he climbs while I hike uh if you remember the resilient zone you can listen to that podcast episode or check out the post on the blog or the live that I did that's archived I bump high out of my resilient zone. He bumps low. So what we both need to get back into our resilient zones is very different. He bumps low, lethargic, low energy. So he needs adventure, a sense of maybe danger. Um, I bump high, super hyper vigilant, anxious. What I don't need to get back into my zone and feeling good is danger. Um, So we'll go to the park. He climbs for several hours, I hike for several hours. It's perfect, we each get what we need. We each have our own separate experiences in nature that are really good for our resilient zone. So when he got back from his climb, because I obviously didn't go on my hike, I was still in my pajamas. I hadn't washed my face. I hadn't moved at all. And it was glorious. And it was needed. And I was reminded that I've done this before when needed and it too was glorious. Even when I was very young, I used to do this. I used to sort of play sick when I was, I don't know, between seven and I think I even did it through high school. I would just say I was sick when I wasn't, and hang out at home. (laughs) I was a straight-A student. It's not like I was avoiding tests or, you know, getting a fever the day that, that a test is due or big homework is due. I just could sense even then, though I couldn't understand it, though obviously my home was quite complicated, and though obviously now what I'm doing is not playing sick. I did not feel sick, and I was very clear with myself about that. I was just choosing to rest. But I recognized it even then. Some part of me knew I just needed down time. And even back then, I remember it being like, whoo, this is nice. No one's home. I can just like be here. I don't have to interact with people. I don't have to be on. I don't have to be anything other than just here. And yesterday made me realize something. There's this thing we do when we are trying to heal from something, when we are learning about trauma When we're learning about triggers, when we're learning about the polyvagal theory, and then we're learning about boundaries, and we're starting to uncover our healing and starting to understand why we need to heal and all that our alcoholic parents did in our childhoods that may affect us now, and it may impact every area of our lives as adults, it can feel really easy to every single day make it a deep dive in realizations and understandings and aha moments. And that's a lot, but it's also not necessary. In fact, we might need a lot less than we think. I spent years, once I knew what was going on, once I understood what ACOA is, once I began to understand the resources around that, once I fully understood what I had grown up in and how it might have affected my life, I started connecting the dots, putting all the pieces together. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of soul searching. I had a lot of therapy. And I did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of healing. And that's a very good thing. And it's what led me to create Change of Air. It's what led me to start this podcast. It's also what led me to take a couple months off of not everything but of a lot of things recently because I wanted to live my life as the far more healed person I have become than spending so many of my days reading and reading about healing and talking about healing and thinking about healing. I was like grinding through my healing. I was trying to absorb so much so quickly so I could apply it and heal so quickly, I was truly grinding it out. And I know that sounds harsh, but it's what happens sometimes when we really see that Like as soon as we start, the moment you realize something, no matter what book it was from, no matter what podcast, no matter what tool, whether it's the laundry list, there's always a moment where we realize, ah, it's not just an external tool, but I've applied this thing And I've understood a thing about myself and you realize the beauty you experience truly like the shift in your own behavior and the beauty on the other side of that once you experience that once once you realize you can set a boundary and nobody dies you can say no and it's okay and it feels so good to honor yourself by saying no to a thing you really didn't want to do like once you do that one time Last podcast episode, check it out. We talk about that a lot. You want to do it more. It makes sense, right? You want to experience it again. You want to learn about how you can shift yet another behavior, what that might open up for us. It makes complete sense that we would want to soak all of it in. Almost like what else can I learn about what else triggers me so that I can know more so that I can do better so I can feel better it makes sense but for me and I suspect for you a couple of things can happen when we're really truly doing the hard work of healing the first one is that it can be exhausting really truly exhausting to not just read all these books and not be aware of these tools But to actually use these tools in a situational moment, to be in a moment, to notice your behavior, to ask yourself, hey, self, what's going on? It seems that you are triggered. To in that same moment, understand where that might be coming from, to then self-regulate. And in that same moment, make a choice among many choices to respond somewhat more appropriately than you had been planning on in a given situation, like all in a moment, that is exhausting. It's so much, right? And that's just as you're going about your day, that's just while you're driving down the road, having an exchange with someone at the coffee shop, dealing with a colleague at work, going about your Saturday, whatever it is, there are, I don't know, 12 moments in a day, maybe 50, where we could, as we're learning all these tools, pause, notice our behavior, where do we feel it in our bodies, what might be triggering us, where is this coming from, am I behaving appropriately, why am I not, I think I'm being triggered by this thing, okay, it's not this person that's bothering me so much, it's really this thing, okay, I'm going to respond this way instead, all in the blink of an eye that amount of processing all the time is exhausting add to that that you'll probably also read about it when you get home like what was that thing i experienced today you might save 13 instagram quotes about it you might even write about it you might even write about it on instagram hey this is the thing that i learned today in my healing this is a thing i've experienced it's all very good to experience all of these things that is what healing looks like to begin to notice our behaviors to pause redirect new neural pathways all of that is very good but we need to acknowledge it's exhausting it's a lot of work and sometimes while we're also doing work that's tiring and just being out in the world and engaging with other humans is tiring Doing those two things plus being so deeply, keenly aware of our own behaviors and pausing and understanding and redirecting, it's exhausting. I don't think we talk about that enough. And I don't think we take that on enough as super normal. It can also be really isolating to heal. Everything I just went through, this sort of like realizing in a moment hey, coffee is late, they forgot my order. Um, Is this personal? Why is this bothering me? Whatever it is. It's an example, but it's an example because I've probably done it. (laughs) It can also be really isolating to go through that all day. Come home and read more about it. If you have no one, if you're not in therapy, if you don't have people in your life with whom you can say, hey, I realized this thing triggers me. It was a real aha moment. We need to be able to share. So it can feel isolating. And once you start to say no, set boundaries, these are things, these are new triggers, things that we realize that trigger us and we're setting new behaviors, we can start to upset people in our lives. Like If we had no boundaries before and then we start having them, we can piss some people off. People in our lives that enjoyed our no boundaries are sort of less into our boundaries. So there can be a real camaraderie in healing, in sharing something that happened on your day on Instagram, or in your day on Instagram, it can feel so wonderful to be in community about it and have support around it. It's important, but as we spent our day processing our experiences in real time, and if we come home and then share again what we <laughs> learned and you know are trying to integrate it, we're still kind of trafficking in healing. We're still sort of grinding out our healing. We can also, third point, want to do a yet deeper dive once we learn the basics, right? So once we've read the Al-Anon books, we've gone to the meetings, we've read the adult children of alcoholics books. If you're me, you've read all the perfect daughter books and the daughter, you know, about daughters and dysfunctional mothers. I've also read all the books about losing your mother and what that does. I know I had that situation. I know many of you have as well. Those were really important books to read, but they, it's just more, right? Piling on more and more and more. Then you can get into polyvagal theory and then you can get into understanding boundaries on a deep level. And we can spend a lot of time researching yet deeper ways to heal. We can start exploring other modalities. Obviously on this podcast, I share a lot of different modalities with you and a lot of different tools. I'm able to share them or guide you to the right resources because I have taken the time over many many years to explore them myself experience them myself there is this balance between knowing we need to heal understanding what resources are available to us and how we might begin that process and then being actively in it every day and aware of our shit every day and then wanting to spend yet more time understanding it, teasing it apart, etc. We can get so caught up in healing that we forget to do the living. Let me say that again. We can get so caught up in the healing that we forget to do the living. That is why I recently took some time off the podcast, away from change of air. I really reduced my client projects for a month because I was working And then spending all my other time thinking about healing and actively healing. All good things. But I needed to for myself. And I realize now for you. I needed to normalize having normal days. I don't mean take time away from these things so that I can go do extraordinary things. Although I did do some extraordinary things and saw beautiful things I'd always wanted to see. I also had just really basic days. Where from the outside it looked like nothing was happening we have to pause and ask ourselves why are we healing and doing all this work if the end goal isn't simply to live our days as much more healed versions of ourselves and if we're always healing and doing the heavy heavy lift the heavy deep work of healing and healing and healing And we're not taking whole days or weeks or months to integrate what we've learned, all this reading and knowledge about boundaries and neural pathways and triggers and resilient zones. If we aren't taking time to integrate all this learning while sitting on a couch or while on a hike, or in my case, while on the couch while you're supposed to be on a hike, or while you're on vacation, or while you're spending time with friends or family, finally post-COVID, or post pre again COVID, then we're never living inside our lives. It's almost as if we would just then be constantly preparing to someday live in our lives. I don't want to spend my days getting ready to maybe someday live my life, right? I don't think you do either. I don't want that for you either. I'm getting tears in my eyes thinking about it. We all have very different childhoods. It's easy to think uh, we're adult children of alcoholics. Our experiences were exactly the same. And so many of them are, thank goodness, because we find common ground there. But whether you had alcoholic parents or addicted parents or dysfunctional parents or just grew up in a disordered home for any number of reasons, we already think something might be wrong with us. We might be our fault, right? It's taken me years, decades of therapy to understand it wasn't my fault, that it wasn't a a grand failing on my part that led my parents to drink. We can feel like we have to fix a lot of things. Many of us can get, as I do, much of my self-esteem for many years out of fixing, uh, being relied upon, being the one that you can count on to fix the thing, people pleasing, all that stuff, right? That we can turn around and apply that to ourselves as well and feel we need to fix and fix and tinker and tinker and then we'll arrive someday at being good enough fixed enough to live in our lives there's a wonderful quote that I shared recently that was really spot on about this it shared this idea of constantly watering our gardens in this case that that would be healing for us but never living in our gardens And that just struck me as exactly it and what I've been experiencing for months now, this real pull to live inside the garden I've been watering, that the entire point of watering our gardens is to actually enjoy them, is to luxuriate in them. We can get so stuck on this idea of arriving at healed. And then once we've arrived, we're then allowed to walk in this garden that we've built out of years and years of healing and reading books and moving through all the things. Like we almost feel like we have to be good enough, healed enough to live inside our own gardens. But the entire point of our healing is to be in our gardens right now. We can still water our gardens. We can still tend to them. But they need not be watered every single day. They need not be trimmed Plants need not be repotted every single day. And so yesterday, I rested. I played Pokemon Go. And I binge-watched a six-part series on Netflix. I drank a lot of water. And I stayed in my pajamas all day. From the outside, it would look like I did not do much of anything at all. I certainly didn't read any books on healing. I didn't post about healing. I did a heck of a lot of nothing, and it felt really, really good. And today is mostly the same. We need days where nothing much happens so we can integrate all that has happened. We need days where we don't learn anything about healing so we can integrate all that we have learned about healing. There's nothing wrong with many days like this, strung together. We need to normalize living rather than just healing. We need to normalize hanging out on the couch days. And we need to do that and not ascribe any other meaning to them about lazy or something must be wrong, you must be down or ill. Nothing was wrong, trust me. I just was tired. And I wanted to just take care of myself and chill and do nothing. And if our goal then is to live our lives and in our gardens, I think it has to change how we even approach healing. The goal of any of our healing is to show up more healed, more present in the rest of our lives. And how better to practice and totally embody the healing work that we've done than to just spend some days being in our lives. It sounds wild, I know. I think it's really important as well that we don't put so much pressure on ourselves to always be in active healing or reading about healing or talking about healing. As I said, that's why I took some time away. I had spent so much time talking about healing, talking about trauma, preparing slides about trauma, giving talks about trauma, that I was no longer living in my actual life. I was living in a educated about trauma version of me which is useful, but it's not all of me. I'll wrap this up with a wonderful quote that I shared a while ago and really resonated with me and I think with so many of you. I had so many comments and we had such great dialogue around it. It's a quote from Awaken with Ali. Follow her, I'll add her in the show notes so you can follow along. She shares such beautiful insights but I thought this particular quote sums this up so beautifully and I was think it was just sort of rattling around in my head all day yesterday as I woke up and kind of immediately knew though I had these beautiful plans for the day I need to do this other thing instead and I felt it so clearly but I, you know I spent several hours trying to not do the thing that so, was so clear to me that I needed to do this is what she says The timeline of trauma integration is slower and the pace is gentler. The intensity of trauma needs to be integrated with ease and care and not with struggle, force, and tension. It is not about feeling your pain or looking at your wounds. It is about attuning to this one question. What is the need of my nervous system in this moment? And then fiercely acting on that need, fiercely acting on that need. It brings tears to my eyes, this caring for ourselves in this way, fiercely giving ourselves what we need. That is what it felt like yesterday, to say no to a hike and to simply be and relax. It didn't look like anything from the outside but it felt fierce inside. I was fiercely honoring my nervous system by taking a pass on that hike. What are the ways you can honor your nervous system today, this week, this month? How do we continue our healing journey? How do we still read and learn about ourselves and explore all the resources out there that will help us? But how do we do so in a way that has more ease is not held so tightly has a bit less rigidity and should about it and a lot more pokemon and couch and fierce listening to what would feel best instead how do we do that let's normalize normal days let's show up in our gardens instead of always watering them we can always sprinkle water later it's not that we stop watering altogether we just don't need to tend to them every day sometimes we can just be in them what is that for you? How does that look for you? Might look like a couch sit for a day. It might look like something entirely different. But I hope this has been helpful for you. I know that what I'm going to do for the rest of my day is again, a whole lot of nothing. I invite you to join me. Thank you as always. Until next time.